desk and looking out her window and making notes on what goes on out in front of her in the day room during the next eight hours. Her face looks pleased and peaceful with the thought. Then, she sights those black boys. They're still down there together mumbling to one another. They didn't hear her come on the ward. They sense she's glaring down at them now, but it's too late. They should have knew better than to group up and mumble together when she was due on the ward. Their faces bob apart, confused. She goes into a crouch and advances on where they're trapped in a huddle at the end of the corridor. She knows what they've been saying, and I can see she's furious, clean out of control. She's going to tear the black bastard's limb from limb, she's so furious. She's swelling up, swells till her back's splitting out the white uniform, and she's let her arms section out long enough to wrap around the three of them five, six times. She looks around her with a swivel of her huge head. Nobody up to see, just old Broom Bromden, the half-breed Indian, back there hiding behind his mop and can't talk to call for help. So she really lets herself go, and her painted smile twists, stretches to an open snarl, and she blows up bigger and bigger, big as a tractor, so big I can smell the machinery inside the way you smell a motor pulling too big a load. I hold my breath and figure, my God, this time they're going to do it. This time they let the hate build up too high and overloaded, and they're going to tear one another to pieces before they realize what they're doing. But just as she starts crooking those sectioned arms around the black boys and they go to ripping at her underside with the mop handles, all the patients start coming out of the dorms to check on what's the hullabaloo, and she has to change back before she's caught in the shape of her hideous real self. By the time the patients get their eyes rubbed to where they can halfway see what the racket's about, all they see is the head nurse smiling and calm and cold as usual, telling the black boys they'd best not stand in a group gossiping when it is Monday morning and there is such a lot to get done on the first morning of the week. Mean old Monday morning, you know, boys. Yeah, Miss Ratchet. And we have quite a number of appointments this morning, so perhaps if your standing here in a group talking isn't too urgent. Yeah, Miss Ratchet. She stops and nods at some of the patients come to stand around and stare out of eyes all red and puffy with sleep. She nods once to each, precise, automatic gesture. Her face is smooth, calculated, and precision-made, like an expensive baby doll, skin like flesh-colored enamel, blend of white and cream and baby blue eyes, small nose, pink little nostrils, everything working together except the color on her lips and fingernails and the size of her bosom. A mistake was made somehow in manufacturing, putting those big, womanly breasts on what would have otherwise been a perfect work, and you can see how bitter she is about it. The men are still standing and waiting to see what she was on to the black boys about, so she remembers seeing me and says, And since it is Monday, boys, why don't we get a good head start on the week by shaving poor Mr. Brobden first this morning, before the after-breakfast rush on the shaving room, and see if we can't avoid some of the, uh, disturbance he tends to cause, don't you think? Before anybody can turn to look for me, I duck back into the mop closet, jerk the door shut dark after me, hold my breath. Shaving before you get breakfast is the worst time. When you've got something under your belt, you're stronger and more wide awake, and the bastards who work for the combine aren't so apt to slip one of their machines in on you in place of an electric shaver. But when you shave before breakfast like she has me do some mornings... 6.30 in the morning in a room all white walls and white basins and long tube lights in the ceiling making sure there aren't any shadows and faces all around you trapped screaming behind the mirrors. Then what chance you got against one of their machines?
I hide in the mop closet and listen, my heart beating in the dark, and I try to keep from getting scared, try to get my thoughts off someplace else, try to think back and remember things about the village and the big Columbia River, think about, uh, one time Papa and me were hunting birds in a stand of cedar trees near the Dalles. But like always, when I try to place my thoughts in the past and hide there, the fear close at hand seeps in through the memory. I can feel that least black boy out there coming up the hall, smelling out for my fear. He opens out his nostrils like black funnels, his outsized head bobbing this way and that as he sniffs, and he sucks in fear from all over the ward. He's smelling me now. I can hear him snort. He don't know where I'm hid, but he's smelling and he's hunting around. I try to keep still. Papa tells me to keep still. Tells me that the dog senses a bird somewhere is right close. We borrowed a pointer dog from a man in the Dalles. All the village dogs are no-count mongrels, Papa says.